0: Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay and looking forward to the weekend. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Friday, February the 10th. Coming up, we're going to be hearing from the Gillingham boss ahead of this weekend's game. Plus, we've got a guide to everything going on in Kent over the next few days. But first today, a worker at a Turkish restaurant in Kent has described how his family has been devastated by the earthquake in Turkey and Syria. More than 21,700 people are now known to have died after the powerful tremor struck on Monday. Malvana Korkaburg works at Alimet in
2: Aylesford. My uncle lost his brother. They just found him now, so I had to go and calm him down. Well, put yourself in their shoes. Your mum's gone, your dad's gone, your brother's gone. There's so many at the moment, just one person left in the family. You've got no shelter, no job, no food. Have you got anything, do you think you've got something to live for? I don't know what we have to do. Um, the only thing I thought when I spoke to my dad on the same day this earthquake happened, um, within 20, 25 minutes of it happened. First I called my wife and I called my dad. My sister was the one to wake me up. She called me and she said, wake up. Then I see there's missed calls from my wife. There's a video of her crying, shocked. Never seen her that frightened in my life. Immediately I hanged up to my sister and said, okay, I, I need to check on Esgi called Ezgi, my wife's name is Ezgi, called her, she was devastated, then I called immediately mum and dad. They're saying, we're fine, we're fine, but your aunt, her, that six storey building, nothing's left of it. We've got your dad and grandmother, uh, your granddad and your grandmother for safety. The only safety out there at the moment in that minus seven, minus eight degrees with heavy snow was any vehicle you have. You, and with our area, I'm not gonna lie, you'd be lucky to have a vehicle. Because it's not a very, um, it's not middle-upper class or anything like that, it's sort of lower ends. So not everyone has that luxury. My dad was one of the fortunate ones to have that. And um, believe it or not, he said he ran out with literally, he normally tends to sleep with um, shorts and a vest. So he ran out like that in the cold. He didn't think about anything until he sat in the car and he said, I need to put something on because everyone's running out and he feels embarrassed. But... Our building, he said, all the walls were cracked from the side. Your granddad's building, he said, uh, the rear ground floor part, because it kind of sticks out a little bit, is demolished from the centre a little bit. The building's leant back and as if it sat down onto the grass, onto the soil rather. And the entire floor, we have concrete flooring in the front of our cars and stuff, is cracked as if, it's, as if you ripped a bit of paper from the floor on two sides. Tiles have exploded, cracked out. I always look forward to going to my hometown because I love the lake, we have nice greenery there, nice scenery there as well. I've got nothing left now. Like literally nothing to go for. The shit is wiped out of the map. There's no no habitation whatsoever.
0: The restaurant is collecting donations like new clothes and toys to help survivors and a huge humanitarian effort is underway in Turkey and Syria. Firefighters from Kent have been sent to help while the UK has also delivered thousands of thermal blankets because temperatures there right now are freezing. More well, Details on how you can donate via the DEC appeal are in the trending section at kentonline.co.uk. Kent Online News. Other top stories today, and a man's been shot dead in a street in Erith. Police were called to Pembroke Road just before nine last night. Witnesses have described hearing two loud bangs and seeing a group in Balaclavas. A murder investigation is underway. So far, no-one's been arrested. A teenage boy's been treated in hospital after being stabbed during a robbery in Hearn Bay. He was reportedly attacked by someone in Avenue Road last night and had his iPhone stolen, which has since been recovered. The victim and his friend flagged down a car and got a lift to hospital. Officers want to speak to the man who helped them. A man's admitted causing the death of a motorcycling legend in a crash on the A21 in Kent. Paul Smart from Ainsford near Dartford died when the bike he was riding collided with a car that had done a U-turn on the Lamberhurst bypass in October 2021. David Gladwell, who's 65 and from Ackland close in Plumstead, pleaded guilty to causing death by careless or inconsiderate driving. He'll be sentenced at Crown Court. A team teen- teenage boys been arrested after police seized more than 50 wraps of heroin and crack cocaine in Medway. A knife was also found following reports of suspicious activity in Chatham Town Centre. The 17-year-old has been charged with drug offences and is due in court on Monday. Now, we mentioned this in the podcast yesterday and it's been confirmed the amount we pay in council tax in Kent will be going up by around 5% from April. That works out as an extra £73 for an average and D household, bringing the total annual payment to just over fifteen hundred pounds. Bosses at the county council say they need to cut spending and bring in more money to keep vital services running. These people have been telling us what they think of it.
3: Well, things have to go. you have to pay for these things. but you know, it's inevitably got to pay a bit extra.
4: Uh, any rise at the moment is unwelcome. Everything's going up, and uh, you know, could really do with uh, things going down for a change. I think it's disgusting. What is to be will. Yeah, nothing more I can do about it.
3: Well, we need the services, so the money has to be provided for it.
0: Meantime, the cost of a school travel pass used by thousands of pupils in Kent could increase to £600. The travel saver card currently costs £450 a year, and another increase wouldn't be welcomed by parents. Well, the leader of the County Council, Roger Gough, has been speaking to our political editor, Paul Francis. We haven't
1: set that out fully yet, partly because, again, this is something that is a separate process to undergo. And also, there may yet be some other uh, areas of development, like the... uh, Bus service improvement plan that may help to uh, offset that. So we don't we don't yet fully know. But do, do you recognise six hundred pounds as a as a as a figure that's perhaps in the mix? That uh, that that seemed to be uh, in the that was in the right direction certainly absolutely. I mean, parents will find that fairly eye watering, won't they? One hundred and fifty pounds increase. It is, it is an extreme again an extremely difficult area. What I would emphasize is that we always look to this to ensure that uh, uh, it is still by comparison with um, uh, with, with just buying your, your, your normal bus tickets a significantly better deal. Uh, and as I say we will have to see exactly how it plays out but uh, this is again, one of the very, very difficult areas that we have to look at.
0: And you can let us know what you think on that one today by commenting on the story on the website.
1: Kent Online reports.
0: The number of people in hospital with COVID in Kent has risen for the second week in a row. 158 patients were being treated on Wednesday, up from 124 the previous week. Latest figures show coronavirus cases in the county have also increased by 18% in the seven days to last Saturday. The Home has refused to put a timescale on when government plans to stop small boats crossing the Channel will be successful. It's been highlighted as one of Rishi Sunak's top five priorities. So Anna Bratherman says she's 100% committed to reducing the number of asylum seekers making the dangerous journey to Kent, but says it'll take as long as it will take. This is one of our most read stories on the website today. A huge transformation of the former Debenham store in Canterbury could finally be given the go ahead soon. There are plans to turn the old department store into flats and retail units, but it's been held back by concerns about wastewater polluting the Stodmarsh Nature Reserve. New proposals have now been put forward to store sewage on site so it can be taken away for treatment. Now, it's feared there could be a nasty accident in Sandwich after a bus stop was relocated. An area on New Street outside Guildhall Square that was previously used as a pull-in has been tarmacked over, with buses stopping further up the road instead. Now, it's all part of a million-pound regeneration of the historic square and was designed to ease congestion. While well, Christina Glynn, Bill Toomey and Claire Goddell have been
4: speaking to our reporter Leanne Castle. I have observed congestion. I've seen people upset. Um... I I just do not understand why the lay-by that was here before, why the new lay-by cannot be the same length and why that cannot be used to accommodate the buses. The bus stand that has been placed right on the corner of the junction completely obscures visibility and and I personally was almost even run over this morning. I, I just stood there in the middle of the road as a car whizzed round the corner of the bus it came straight at me and, and luckily it stopped and I stopped and and then it sort of waved me over but um, it, it's not safe and I mean somebody less mobile than myself and, uh, well you know I mean I, I just think it's an accident waiting to happen What would you like to see happen? What solution do you think will be able to solve this? Well ideally I'd like to see the bus stand the uh, with the lay-by that actually made larger so um, if the lay-by could be perhaps the the similar length to what it was originally then i think we should be able to get the necessary buses within that i certainly do not think that placing the bus stand on the corner is is a good idea because the restriction on visibility is is just appalling where
3: is this uh, helping with the flow of traffic why it was perfectly okay there one bus pulled in in the air and the other bus was there on the corner The crossing is up there anyway, so uh, you can't say it's to help people cross the road, can you? Because uh, they shouldn't be crossing there anyway. Well, if you do, you take your life. You know, it's entirely up to you, of course. So, I just don't understand the consultation. uh, I I just find that this um, council either don't know what's going on, and if they don't, they're incompetent. And uh, and if uh, if they do know what's going on, why haven't they been consulting people? The people that live here. I, I just don't understand. I will be attending in the next uh, meeting. I, I did for a while and then I, I, I stopped, but now I will again. It's just really is awful. Uh, we're, think, we're not being consulted.
4: Do you think there's going to be an accident?
3: Well, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me because uh, you, if, if you're walking, you want to cross the road up there rather than walk all the way down there, uh, just to say you might want to get to the pub, <laughs> so you would do odd, odd bar, a little coffee bar there. Uh, You've got to walk right the way out uh, to cross over, Um, and it's dangerous, I think, really.
5: I can't quite understand how it was decided, and how they've left it operational in such a dangerous way. I think that's. um, In reality anyone that looked at it would see that it's not working for the town and um, it's the danger aspect, It's, it's quite unnerving. I've helped quite a few people across the road, I come into town three or four times a week Um, particularly anyone with mobility issues or the elderly have really struggled even though it's one way to know can they step out are they stepping behind a bus behind um, deliveries so that's what I can't I really can't understand the danger side of it.
4: And from your point of view as a resident, was uh, did this sort of just come out of the blue? Was there any sort of consultation on it?
5: My understanding is that it's been in the making for about four years. I became aware of the issues around the Guildhall concourse about seven or eight years ago, and that's when the plans first started to rumble. Um, there was a consultation. I did visit a display, but at no point did it really ring alarm bells in my mind around how this was actually going to work and actually when they initially set it up, um, the, the works, I think it was about October, November time, I think There was a sort of a whisper that, oh, no, no, don't worry, it's not permanent. But now we've had confirmation that, yes, it is permanent and this is it.
0: The council say they are aware of concerns, but insist the designs do meet safety standards.
6: Kent Online reports.
0: University lecturers in Kent have been striking for a second day. It's affected students at the Uni of Kent, Canterbury Christchurch and Uni of Greenwich at Medway. Staff are walking out over 18 days during February and March in a dispute over pay. Staying with Education News and a trust which runs two schools on the Isle of Sheppey have announced they're pulling out of the area. Staff at Oasis Academy in Sheerness and Minster, which have more than 1,000 pupils, were made aware of the decision yesterday afternoon. It follows a damning Ofsted report last August which branded the school inadequate. A spokesman says another trust will take over, but it's not known who just yet. Now, prayer books belonging to two of Henry VIII's wives have been reunited for the first time in 500 years and gone on display in Kent. One belonged to Catherine of Aragon, the other was owned by Anne Boleyn. They're on show at Hever Castle, where Anne grew up. And I've been chatting to Kate McCaffrey, who's an assistant curator there.
7: I've been working with our version of the book, Hever's book, which is uh, owned and signed by Anne Boleyn. She's written a beautiful rhyming couplet. Remember me when you do pray that hope doth lead from day to day. She's written inside our book. So that's... Been my sort of baby of research for the last three years. Uh, so, this has been a long time coming. Um, and so, to get Catherine's book out from New York, we've loaned it from the Morgan Library in New York. So, it's come across, it arrived last week to be installed. Um, and to finally see it installed in the case is just was one of the biggest reliefs of my life to finally see them next to each other in the same room, as you say, reunited for likely the first time in 500 years. It's actually quite an emotional experience.
0: Because you said they were both from the same batch, essentially, but they both looked very different. So do you just want to describe what they look like?
7: Yes, definitely. So what's, what's intriguing about the two copies is, as you say, they're from the same printed batch. Uh, from 1527 in Paris, Um, but they've both been personalized for each queen, each owner. Um, And so Anne's, very interestingly, is decorated to a much higher level than Catherine's. So Anne's copy has extra gold page borders, red and blue decoration, uh, round frames with inscriptions in them that Catherine's doesn't have any. Um, So when you're just looking at them side by side, as we have them on display in the room, we've chosen a specific page to kind of show those visual differences and it's just really important to remember that the time that these books were produced, which was in 1527 slash 1528, which was a really pivotal point in the changing structure of Henry VIII's court, because by this point, Anne has accepted the king's proposals. So she knows she's going to be queen. And her book definitely reflects that. Whereas Catherine's star at this point is on the wane and hers reflects that as well. So it's just a really interesting snapshot into both of their positions at the time.
0: Is there still, would you say, quite a lot of interest in that? of history because it's perhaps one of the most interesting bits isn't it and it's something you learn at school and probably don't
4: ever forget
7: yes exactly i think there's such an element of human drama i think about the tudors and about henry and his wives and um, that just appeals across centuries and across generations um but but i think what's really wonderful about this exhibition and what about we're trying to to achieve with it which is using this kind of moment of unity between these two prayer books to broaden the lens um, on how we view Catherine and Anne, who are such famous rivals. Histories usually only looked at them as rivals and looked at them through their differences. And we're trying to use these two prayer books as a way to re-examine their relationship with one another, but also look at what else united them as well as divided them. And I think that's a very kind of current theme at the moment in, in scholarship and in popular history is, it's sort of in a post 6th the musical era you know we're trying to get uh, her story rather than history back so looking at the wives as individuals um, outside of Henry's lens is is something that's really important and really current. And and this exhibition plays nicely into that.
0: And tell us what else you've got on display, because it's obviously it's not just the prayer books that you can see. There's plenty of other things that have gone on show.
7: Yes. So we've got some wonderful items on show. Aside from the prayer books, we have a never before exhibited panel portrait of Catherine of Aragon, Uh, which is situated in the same room as the two books. And we've placed her so that she's looking over her own book. Um, We have a collection of miniatures um, from the 16th century onwards of all the key players. Again, a few of those have never been seen before in exhibitions. We have a wonderful panel from Dunstable Priory, which has um, Catherine's pomegranate and Tudor rose emblem combined on it. And we have some wonderful costumes as well on display. We're very lucky to have a collection of four costumes from Starz's recent production, Becoming Elizabeth, on display. So we have one for Elizabeth, one for Mary, uh, one for Edward and one for Catherine Parr. So that's in the section of our exhibition, which looks at Catherine and Anne as mothers and how their relationship mapped onto the relationships of their daughters, Mary and Elizabeth. Who became uh, England's first two queens regnant. So it's like that point of unity as well between Catherine and Anne who, who didn't give Henry the son that he so longed for, but they gave him two daughters whose legacies long outlived that of his eventual son. And we also have, uh, to finish the exhibition, the coronation gown um, that Kate Blanchett wore in the Elizabeth films that she made, in the early 2000s. So that's a real showstopper sort of ending for us.
0: The exhibition will be running until November. Kent's first Greg's drive through has opened today. It's at the former medical centre in Milton Regis near Sittingbourne. Bosses say it's created 15 jobs. And Kent's youngest football chairman has told the podcast more about his plans to open a wine bar. Stuart Fitchy says he was inspired after visiting the Wine Palace in Monte Carlo, a luxurious two-storey off-licence in Monaco York Club, a 31 year old reckons the shop on tower parade in whitstable will reinvigorate the area
8: something that i've been wanting to do for ages because we've got a lovely beach there and i've been on the beach so many times where you wanted to kind of get something you know a, a bottle of wine or some beers or something for the beach and there's nothing really here so you've either got to go into town or you've got to go into tankerton and um, this is you know in the summer months they are going to have tables and chairs out the front we're going to do kind of like a variety of different alcohol, so you do wines, beers, spirits, but then also we're gonna do kind of co- takeaway teas and coffees and like light selection of pastries
0: Kent Online Showbiz Ahead of the Brit Awards tomorrow Kent man has been named Songwriter of the Year Kid Harpoon from Chatham co-wrote and co-produced Harry Styles' third album Harry's House Meanwhile DJ David Getter has scooped Producer of the Year and ahead of the Brits tomorrow Canterbury's very own Mimi Webb has got her own show over on our sister radio station KMFM as they build up for the Brits she's nominated for Artist of the Year you can tune in to that tomorrow from five and now with a roundup of everything going on in kent over the next few days here's sam laurie
6: february is in full swing and we're just about to enter half term territory which can only mean one thing there are lots and lots of family friendly activities going on across the county this week if you're looking for ways to keep the kids entertained during the school holidays there's so much to do this week from lego building workshops to outdoor nature trails craft workshops animal encounters and more there is definitely something for all tastes We've got a bumper roundup of everything going on this half-term, with 21 activities to choose from, up on Kent Online, so make sure you check that out for your full guide to family days out. There are also two brilliant musicals taking place this weekend, and there's still a chance to catch both of them if you're quick enough. Classic musical The King and I is at the Marlow Theatre in Canterbury, while The Hilarious Sister Act is at the Orchard Theatre in Dartford. We've reviewed both shows this week, so if you want to know what to expect, you can find out on the What's On website. Also, for any art lovers out there, there are some great new exhibitions opening just in time for the weekend. Maidstone Museum has just reopened with a new exhibition all about the Kentish tradition of hooding, while Rochester Cathedral will be unveiling its latest installation, Peace Doves, by renowned sculptor Peter Walker on Saturday. And while it's not quite taking place this weekend, I feel it's my duty to remind anyone who's forgotten that Valentine's Day is just around the corner. If you know your other half will be expecting something special on Tuesday but you're not quite sure what to do yet, we've got a list of great date ideas on Kent Online to help inspire you. But, if you do want to celebrate the most romantic day of the year a little bit early, the KMFM Street Team will be at Westwood Cross in Broadstairs on Saturday, handing out chocolate roses and giving away a luxury hamper to those who can beat the Queen of Hearts in a game of croquet. It's all part of the shopping centre's free pop-up event, to mark the special occasion so make sure you head down there to get your free chocolate rose and speaking of kmfm don't forget to tune in this saturday evening as kent's very own pop star and brit nominee mimi webb will be taking over the kmfm airwaves to host a brit's warm-up party just a few hours before she heads to the ceremony and finds out if she's won best new artist I think that should be just about enough to see you through the weekend, but don't forget if you do get stuck for ideas this half term, you can always check the What's On Events calendar on our website to see what's happening near you. Kent Online Sports.
0: Football first and Gillingham boss Neil Harris and striker Tom Nichols have sadly missed out on being named League Two Manager and Player of the Month for January. The Jules have really turned things around recently with three wins in their last four matches after being bought by a new American owner. Colchester United manager Matt Bloomfield and Salford City striker Connor McAlney won the awards. Well, next, Gillingham can extend their unbeaten run to five games at Mansfield Town this afternoon. It follows their 1-0 win over Crawley last time out. The Jules are still in the League Two relegation zone, but only by a point, and they do have two games in hand. However, tomorrow's opposition are up in the playoff zone, so it won't be easy. Manager Neil Harris has been chatting to our sports reporter Luke Cordell. Tom
3: Nichols, I think we were hoping it was just a groin injury. Is he a little bit worse than that? Is
8: it um, possibly still still early days? Later. Like I said, it's not. You know, we're talking about short term, um, so. I don't, don't want to say two more don't want to you know, tempt fate or anything, but um, when a player comes off in a game, it's never a good sign for the next one. Yeah,
3: yeah, fair um, And that last game against Mansfield, um, George Lapsley obviously had a big part to play in it, didn't he? Did you look at that game and, and see George and see Ollie and think, God, what might I name in my team? Or, or did you already
8: know <laughs> of them? Before? No, I know both very well. Um, Ollie from uh, looking at him when he was originally at uh, Hemel and then Dagenham, yeah. see him play a lot. Um, so fully aware of his capabilities up front and at the back. Um, and Georgie, um, from his time when he was at Charlton, okay. and I was doing Mill 21s and Livers was doing the 18s. So we, we know his, his qualities as well. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't need to see that game. They were both very good on the day, obviously only playing at centre-half. Um, we didn't help ourselves on the day um, by, by how we played, chances we gave up. Um, but they, they both played extremely well um, and I'm delighted to have both in my group now.
3: And how? sort of keen are you to
8: get George into that starting eleven? it's difficult isn't it <laughs> yeah it has been um, he understands he's had a few issues he's done well when he's, he had a had a, a groin issue last week um, um, and I've got to be honest we really want to put him on Saturday um, it was sort of needs must in the end um, but it would have been an ideal scenario for us not to have to include him Saturday um, you know coming on the pitch but he's settled in great with the lads lads really really like him uh, he's, he's Great human being, um, you know. Again, just another character, sort of character that we want at this football club. Um, fits the mould of what Julian's all about, um, and he's a first team player at this level and above. And um, he's being patient because he understands that that's, that's football when teams picking points out and playing well. He's had to be patient, uh, but he wants to play, and I'm fully aware of that. <laughs>
3: it's one of the big decisions, I suppose, you got to make every Saturday.
8: Yeah, um, yeah, again. Best, best man for the job, best, best, best team, best formation, yeah. best players uh, for the game, and players have to understand that you know just because you played well, it's not just about going again. Sometimes it's it's about making sure you get you get the right the right player. Um, so yeah, decisions as
3: always. And um, before the transfer deadline, we were running a poll asking fans, you know, mm-hmm. think will go down? There's a fifty-fifty split. After the deadline, ninety-seven percent of people think Gilles will stay up. Um, you
8: must, Your confidence levels must have been raised a little bit as
3: well. Um, or were you yeah, always
8: confident? Um, no, 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 because we've got seven goals in mm. 23 games. So no, I, don't, I can't, can't sit here and lie to you. <laughs> you know, I was, was, wasn't confident at all. Um, a lot more confident now, 10 points in four games is, is a great start. And I look at my group, I look at my players, my team, my squad, I think that's a good, good squad, that's a good team, It's a good squad um, and that gives me belief and confidence in the group moving forward but we just have to keep doing what we're doing. We, we're not going to be unbeaten for the rest of the season, we are going to lose games of football um, and it's how we respond to those negatives. Um, we are going to lose players for injury um, and, and illness and it's how we respond and strength in depth. And you know, For us it's about making sure, nothing's changed but making sure come May the 8th that we're above that dotted line rather than blow it, and you know, getting away from that danger as soon as possible is is key to us. But at the moment, it's just we're rolling with the, the wave and, and the feel-good factor and and we just really can't wait for Saturday.
0: Kick-off tomorrow is at three. You'll be able to follow the match action at kentonline.co.uk or we'll have reaction to the resulting bulletins on KMFM on Sunday morning. Plus, you can hear more in Monday's podcast. On to cricket now, and Kent have signed the Muslim Athlete Charter to show support for diversity and equality. It follows a racism scandal at Yorkshire's club. The charter aims to increase understanding of Muslim players' and fans' cultural needs. And in tennis, Kent's Emma Rajikanu has been awarded a wild card entry for next month's Indian Wells tournament. The 20-year-old from Orpington missed the cut for direct entry after slipping to 80th in the world rankings. She's not played since being knocked out of the Australian Open in the second round by Coco Goff. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. Plus, you can get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. And to sign up to that, you just need to head to Kent, online.co.uk. Whilst it on the site today, don't forget to check out the latest review from our secret drinker. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. We'll be back with the podcast on Monday. News you can trust. This is the Kent
5: Online podcast.